VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth. This is a mug full of chicken broth because I am on the tail end of COVID. And if I sound weird, that's why. And this week we are talking New Year's Eve movies, cults, the bleakest film either of us have probably ever watched, and so many Chuckies. So many Chuckies. Wait, before we jump in though, real quick, did you watch the Evil Dead Rise trailer yet? Oh my god, I did, and it was everything I wanted it to be. Uh, I just wanted to talk about it very briefly. I know that everyone I know not everyone watches trailers and like doesn't want to be spoiled, so you can skip ahead a couple minutes. But man oh man, I'm so excited. Like, look, there is not a miss in that franchise so far, so this looks so good. And I think the theatrical release in April also makes me like the theatrical release. And then this trailer, I'm like, okay, we're in for a very good time. The cheese grater, I'm gonna fuck, like, I usually don't react that strongly to trailers. I, like, I went like this. Like, I couldn't do it. That was so good. I cannot wait for this fucking movie. I can't either. And, you know, the thing is, is that I was, I was curious to see what we were going to get because, um, I mean, it is, it's Lee Cronin, 
the director and the only thing that i have really to base his stuff on is the hole in the ground which was a slow burn and it had some i think you can see like some flair and some similarities maybe in terms of the kind of story that's being told but like i was like evil dead is raucous and that movie was more contemplative with a little bit of raucous so i was like what are we gonna get but this trailer was like girl hold my beer I'm so excited. I, it's, it feels very much like it's going to be a similar like Fetty Alvarez's 2013 mm-hmm. Evil Dead with, and I'm so excited. Apparent, I didn't realize this, but people on, on the Twitter were saying like, oh, it's, it doesn't matter if it's not like Evil Dead 2. I guess people were expecting it to like follow in the same form, like go, I was like, what, when did we ever expect that? Like, there, there's no way. I can't. I can't wait for them to explain like, have, in the apartment building. There's some already. I mean, I hope they didn't give away everything in the trailer. Like, there's always that concern. Yeah, there was a lot in there. Brief cuts, but a, <laughs> but a been, lot I, in there. Yeah, I know. I'm very excited. It looks really good. Me too. And, you know, the thing is, I kept looking at the actresses because they they look very similar to um, the star of Fede Alvarez's, you know, movie. And so I was like, mm-hmm. that's not... No, it's not. Is there a relationship? Is this gonna be like that. a surprise connection? Oh, because they look similar. And they have there's there's something in the wood. Like there's a woods connection because we mm-hmm. see something going on in the woods at some point. So I'm just super stoked. I can't wait. And Evil Dead is one of the most consistent horror franchises out there. I think so. I'm very. I know there's not a ton of entries, but still, four out of four is pretty impressive. Yeah, some Chucky numbers. Child's I know. Uh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I know. I'm so excited. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about it because I feel like most of our listeners will be are also excited. But I want to hear about your New Year's Eve movies. Okay, so um, I did get a little inebriated Hell that yeah. night, and we started off the night by watching um, Top Gun Maverick, which I'm not going to talk about because I did not care for it. <laughs> it was like the straightest movie I've ever seen. It's like white culture. I haven't seen it because I just have no desire to see it. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Yeah, I don't mean I to be a buzzkill. I just don't care. I didn't really have much of a desire to see it, but I was like, okay, we ha- it's on Paramount well, Plus. Let's, hey, if you're going to have a go. good time. and Interesting. I feel like most people have like said they loved it so much. It's I know. That's And that's why I was like, I'm going to give it a shot because I'm like, everyone says that they love it. Did you like the first, the original one? No, not really. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, just like military propaganda, the movie. <laughs> With Tom Cruise before his, like, what? Teeth? Nose job? Scientology? Something like that. Something yeah. Like that. All, all the above, maybe. Yeah, so that one I didn't care for. And then we uh, sat and watched White Noise, the new Noah Baumbach movie. Oh. Wait, Kate, you've never seen the original Top Gun. You're fine. Just watch YouTube videos of the homoerotic volleyball scene, and then that's all you need that's to know. That's the best scene of the movie. That's the best scene of the movie. That's all you need to know. And they, ch- I, you it. know, that's the problem with this movie, I think, is that they, like, lean really hard on the nostalgia. So I think if you're very nostalgic for that movie, maybe be like, oh, I remember when they did this, because they did a football scene in this one. But it's just, like, it lacks any of the... But I heard it's not the... as gay. I heard it's, it's not, not as gay. It's not I'm sexy like, at all. It, 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 like, it... Hmm, uh. Just Straight. Want homoerotic sports montages, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, the white but noise. Yeah. That... So white noise. 
might have been a little too inebriated for it, did not quite understand what was going on. Uh, (laughs) My roommate pointed out that one of the actresses in it looks like a female with with her hair and the way she was styled up looked like a, a, a female version of Daniel Radcliffe. And I couldn't not see it at that point. And it was distracting. Again, a little too much. It definitely has nice. like a Yorgos Lanthimos feel to like the dialogue. It's very um, monotone. I get they're going for like this mon- mundane type atmosphere surrounded by disaster that's like happening all around them. Yeah. So it was like, it felt very long. But again, I think that was because of my state of being that night. It's also over two hours long. So like, it is it long. Is. <laughs> it's a long movie. It is. But I will say that there are some really fantastic horror moments in this movie that surprised me that I sat back and was like, I feel uncomfortable right now. Like it made me feel most of them were like dream, dream uh, moments. But there's like this really suspenseful moment that happens when um, Adam Driver's character is asleep that like we need more of that. He can he can direct suspense and it was intense and there are some really good moments in it. It just I it was just there's a lot going on. He's a, a apparently an instructor of Hitler studies. Don Cheadle book based on a book. Yeah, I can't Dom remember DeLillo. Don DeLillo. De, I cannot DeLillo. remember for the fucking life of me if I read the book or I just read parts of it for a class. I definitely have read parts of it, but I don't think I've read the whole thing. In I've college. never read it. Yeah, because I had like I went through like an infatuation, infatuation, infatuation with Don DeLillo because it's like post. That was when I was doing like, my postmodern, postmodern like, literature mm-hmm. like stuff. I was like, I love postmodern literature, so I I got into him for a bit because of that. I've never read any of his stuff, but yeah. So like we have that, and then Don Cheadle's character is trying to get a class on Elvis. And he uses Hitler analogies. To, so it's just like there's a lot going on that I was not in the right state of mind to like be appreciating, I think, in terms of like the satire. It ends with a dance montage through the credits, which I think is always welcome. We love a dance mo- dance montages through credits is always a, a welcome thing. I also don't think you being inebriated was necessarily like the only reason you didn't get it. I feel like a lot of people had mixed reactions to it being like... It's a lot going on here. Also, someone already made this joke on Twitter. So like, I'm not, it's not an original thought, but every time I always think of that horrible Michael Keaton movie from 2006, <laughs> White Noise. Oh my God. The, uh, yes. The ghost, yes. the ghost movie. You can see the ghost in the, in the, um, static. Look, I won't lie to you. That trailer I pulled me in. It did, though. The trailer was scary. And I also still sometimes am like, can I see ghosts in the static of a TV? I still will. If I'm not in a totally sober state of mind, sometimes I might think that. (laughs) But that's so funny because Steve and I, like before before I came back here, Steve was on Netflix. I was like, I want to watch White Noise. So I'll check it out. Yeah, let me know what you think. (sighs) I just like... Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, like, they are all talented, but it's just, like, it's, like, this class of, like, hi- like hipster, rich white people making movies about themselves that's, like, kind of annoying. <laughs> and, like, I feel bad because <clears throat> I'm excited for Greta Gerwig, like, for, for Barbie. Like, I am excited for that. But they all are oh, in, like, too. the same movies about being, like, white and sad. And, like, I... Right, so rich I'm ennui. For- yeah, like, it's so hard to be me. I live in a New York apartment. My boyfriend broke up with me. Um, 
excuse me. But that's why I'm excited for White Noise, because it feels like it's a little bit outside of what he nor- what Baumbach usually makes. So I don't think I've ever seen any of his movies. I went looking. So I... Like, I love Francis Ha. I loved Francis Ha. 2012, that was like right when I was in college and like trying to find myself and shit. Mm. Black and white movie about a girl who's like wants to be a writer. And I was like, ah, she's me. And look, I like Noah Baumbach's movies. I think they're really well made. They're just all very similar. So it gets like at this point in 2023 now, it's like, okay. So maybe he's switching it up with white noise, but. A lot, like, his movies are so much the same kind of thing. Well made, but middle, like, upper middle class white people. <laughs> I mean, I guess I've seen some of the things that he's written, because uh, I have seen Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which apparently he co-wrote. Yeah, and Mr. Fo- Fantastic Mr. Fox, which makes sense. Him and Wes, oh my god, Wes Anderson. <laughs> I was like, who is that? Oh, Similar no, sensibilities. Okay. I have seen one of his movies. I've seen Margot at the wedding. I don't remember much about it, but I remember seeing Ooh, it because okay. it had Nicole Kidman in it. And I was like in my, I must see everything Nicole Kidman ever does phase, <laughs> which exists to this day. I'm going to be perfectly honest, but um, it was very. Wait, he, he wrote Madagascar 3? I know, right? He is one of the writers on it. There's that. There's like two. Good for him. And he, oh, and he wrote Barbie. I think he's married to Greta Gerwig or they're like in some a long-term relationship i don't know but we've talked a lot about no bump back <laughs> i'm not joking t- i'm not joking i am very excited for barbie oh i'm I am very too. curious i cannot wait to see whatever the whatever is going to happen i'm so excited yeah i just don't think i was like ready for what white noise was giving me and again fair enough the state of mind wasn't the best so and maybe that was a positive thing i don't know maybe like, I just, I remember sitting there going, I think this is supposed to be funny, but I don't know what's happening. It's very, it was very dry, and I don't think I was ready for You weren't ready for dry. I'm like, why are we talking about Hitler? Why are we talking about Elvis and Hitler? Why are you trying to compare Elvis to Hitler? What is going on here? <laughs> what is happening? Someone help me. Someone help me. I need an adult. I need an adult. Uh, Please and thank you. I just saw this speaking, which I just saw this TikTok that's like you in your 30s, and I'm not in my 30s anymore, but it's like, help me, I need an adult. Wait, I am an adult. I need someone that's adultier. And that's that's how I feel, right? Watching that movie. I need someone that's adultier. You know who I when I need someone who's adultier? When me and my husband have COVID at the same time. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>, seriously. <laughs> like, oh no. Alright, let's let's hear about uh cults. Mm. The first of okay. the cults. The f- so, I know. So this is a movie I watched. I tried to watch this movie on New Year's Eve, but because of COVID, I was like, I can't I can't do it. Because this is subtitles, and my brain was just like not having the concentration. And so on New Year's Eve, I watched No Exit, which I really loved. Um, we talked about it on the podcast, but I really, really enjoyed it. And then I was like, all right, cool. Let's like keep rolling with the movies I wanted to watch this year, but haven't caught up with yet. Didn't fully really fulfill that plan because my brain had had other other plans for me. But I finally watched um, History of the Occult, which is a it's from twenty it's from twenty twenty, but it came out in the U.S. this year via Screenbox, um, Argentinian black and white horror film horror film that has vibes of ghost like whispers of ghost watch it's not full okay. found footage or like 
that kind of thing. But it takes place in Argentina in the 1980s, I believe, during a news broadcast for a show called 60 Minutes Before Midnight, where... And it's a show where the the newscaster kind of exposes like an investiga- investigative journalism about politics, and this this is the last show ever of the of the se- of the series due to they're they're doing too much digging into things going on with the government. Their funding has been cut. Their sponsors have all pulled out, so it's their final show, and they are going to expose the fact that there is a coven controlling the argentinian government it it uh, it almost unfolds in real time through like the course of this um this newscast we're getting we're getting intercutting between the actual broadcast and then the producers of the broadcast who are trying to get answers and figure out like what is going on and if they're actually going to be able to provide actual evidence that something is happening with the government and it's a little bit hard to parse at first because it's a, it's a horror movie, but it's also a political drama. So there's a lot of names and like things to remember that you have to really concentrate to kind of just make sure you're oriented into who is who and what is what and like whose role is what and everything. But as it progresses, it fucking falls into this like cosmic horror nightmare about Ooh. like, and I was... Someone recommended this to me earlier in 2022. I cannot for the life of me remember who did, but I'm so glad I finally watched it. It's 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 incredible. It's a gem of an Argentinian film. It's another one of those movies that really came out under the radar last year, like kind of just came out on Screenbox so no one like not a lot of fanfare. And I think a lot of found footage people will enjoy it, especially if like Ghost Watch. It's got again similar vibes but not full like all news broadcast kind of situation, but it goes to some really interesting places in terms of cosmic horror, like interdimensional stuff, witchcraft, warlocks. It's weird, but oh. I really, really enjoyed it. So it's on Screenbox. I rented it on Amazon, um, but if you have Screenbox, it's there. I highly recommend it. It's got really, uh, it's got like, it's just black and white. It feels very retro. It's kind of like, um, what is the the movie with the radio? The radio tower. Oh, 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 oh. Vast of Night. Vast of Night. It's got... Yeah, Vast of Night. The Vast of Night vibes in that it is black and white, takes place in the past, and does a lot, and has a lot to do with, like, communication. And, again, very different, but the, the aesthetic is very similar. Mm, and it's okay. really... it's And it's gorgeous. So, I highly recommend it. I... I put that on my radar because because of you, I think, in our Discord, which, plug, we have a Discord, that you posted in there, watched it, and it was like, what is this? And so I added it to my watch list. I'm glad to hear it's good. It was a really, really good way to start the year for horror for me. Hell yeah. It was my first watch of the year, and I was like, I think I tweeted, it was like an auspicious sign for the year to come if that was the first movie that I watched in 2023. So definitely give that one a ch- give that one a watch. Speaking speaking of first and last movies of the year, so I did look at my letterbox and my first movie that I watched in 2020. I think this explains like the year. The first movie that I watched in 2022 was Exotica, which starting in on ah. a high note. And the last movie I watched of the year was White Noise. So that's very wait what is my now i have to know what my first one was if, if it wasn't exotica it was something very close because we watched that my first movie of this year was host Ooh. because i'm gonna be guesting on a podcast about it 
So keep an eye out for Post? that. Post? Which one? The uh, Zoom. Okay. Uh, my first watch of 2021 was Horror in the High Desert, which is a found footage movie. Shocking. Of 2022? Or 20? 2022 is what I meant. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what year it is. And my last watch was No Exit, which was incredible. So, cool. Awesome. But then um, we also watched another movie. You, well, you were going to watch this movie. And then I volunteered to watch it with you because I guess I'm a si- I'm sick. But what was this um, horrifying movie that we both watched? Yeah, so again, um, I think I'm going to put our patrons in timeout with this choice. <laughs> Because not only was it bleak as fuck, but it also opened up with an extreme close-up of a spider. And yeah, like, that was bad. Are you kidding me right now, Tony Kaufman? With your recommendation? Are you kidding me right now? I'm kidding. But yeah, so we, I'm. this is on my uh, Terry's Backlog movie, and it was uh, Threads. And yes, surprise spiders, Kate. Surprise fucking spiders every single fucking time. No, do not like. I need to start a letterbox list of movies with surprise spiders. In oh my it. god, you should. You should have that website. Like, does the dog die? But is there a spider? <laughs> is there a spider? Oh my god. But then you would have to watch the movies to find out if there's a spider. Ugh. And I feel like that's that sounds counterintuitive for me. I, mm. I'll help. I'll watch okay. the movies and help you. I'll be the back end. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the tester. <laughs> Listeners, too, if you find movies that have surprise spiders in it, hit me up. I want to know, because I, no. I do think I'm going to create a list. I was going to say, you need to make a list. I At think that'd be least. really funny. At the very there's least, pl- I'm going to do that. Plenty. It's a good And it's a good resource for those who it are... feels like half of our episodes. <laughs> I Uh, exactly that way from kate that way you can remember not to watch them ever again yeah not never ever again oh if you want to get really fancy hit them with a time code so you can they can skip through it yeah that's a little fancy that's a little extra for me (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if we'll see that i don't know about all that but about all that (laughs) anyway anyway threads nuclear explosions death destruction the working class city of sheffield uh england Long-term, and I do mean long-term effects of nuclear war on civilization, because I did not expect this movie to continue as far in the future as it did. Um, this movie, this movie is a lot. Uh, and I watched it with you, because I was like, oh, I need to see it, so I'll go through this this hell with you. And I, I, wa- I finished watching it an hour ago. <laughs> And I am currently in a stage of COVID where my stomach is really having some problems. So watching this movie with stomach problems was the worst. I've made some pretty bad movie watching choices. That was, this is what, this is skyrocketed towards the top. This movie is fucking harrowing. It's just as bad as you heard. Fuck. What was the, we watched, the movie we watched. When the wind blows. When the wind blows. So if you listen to our episode about that. Uh, this is worse than that. One, because it's not animated. And two, it goes even further past, like, the initial effect, like, body horror effects and into just, like, the outright depravity of people. There is not one shining moment of hope in this movie. And I I really struggle with, like, war movies because they're real. And, like, people mm-hmm. always laugh at me. But I'm like, look, with horror, there is a distance. Like, even with a serial killer, like, there's a distance. But when you're making a movie, like, Threads, that is 
very much supposed to be like, hey, this could very much happen, like, at any minute. I'm gonna, I, it makes me so upset. I just don't, it, it's not, it's a lot. And this movie really goes for it. It really does. And I think it's really effective just because of the way it's shot. Because it feels like mm-hmm. a documentary. Uh, there's a lot of, like, information dumps in terms of the town of Sheffield about, like, what is going to happen if nuclear war were to happen. So in that regard, it almost... Okay, so I did... I will say that one of the things that I that struck me... I don't want to say funny because it's not funny, but, like, it definitely veers into melodrama, I would say, in, like, the last 10 to 15 minutes, where, like, I'm like, this feels like a PSA that we would make fun of sort of like in the same way of like the weed movie. Why can't I think of the name off the top of my head that I've reefer madness sort of like like this sort of like (laughs) reefer madness sort of like we are just going to like continually it. So there are parts of it that I did think was a little over the top. However, uh, this may be fearful of nuclear war in a way that uh, no other movie has ever done. This also made me realize that, like, I, it's just, it's over. If this happens, I'm going to just, like, peace out with some dignity and be like, we don't, we don't, I don't need this. And Kate, I was also terrified of nuclear war as a child. Like, that shit is terrifying. We did this to Japan twice. And I kept thinking about that watching this movie and being like, we, we did that to two cities oh my god you lived near a nuclear power plant kate it absolutely fucked that but like we did that to two cities and like that like irreparably damaged an entire country and like the trajectory of their cultural development and like yes they are okay they are what we would what we would might call okay now but like let's i don't know i was just like ruminating upon the actions of the United States against others and how we use that and how it's never been used again, thankfully. But, like, it is horrifying. And this this imagines not just, like, the immediate aftermath, but you see, like, how language has shifted and, like, education and everything. And I... There's a scene at the end that involves sexual assault that I was like, we don't need this. Like, we don't... This is, like, we're getting... See, and that's, the, that's where I'm kind of talking goes... about. It goes into melodrama a little too hard where it's just, like... We're just going to add this and then this. And oh, she has to tear off her umbilical cord with her teeth. Oh, and her kid is um, has mental challenges. Oh, and her kid grows up to be raped. Oh, and her kid has to give birth to a stillborn baby. Like, it's just like... I, I did... I was expecting there to be more cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> I did expect them to eat a baby at one point. Like... Mm. A lot of dead rats. But I guess it is the 1980s and they're not as... <laughs> deranged as we are now but it it was just at the end i was like we got we get it we get it like things are going to be a nightmare if this ever happens but like i don't need to see this poor girl who is the generation who has only ever known this and like see how horrible her life is like i got it thank you so much but you know miserable it's a fucking it is and what kept popping in my head was this aired on tv in 1984 (laughs) this is a made for tv movie that aired on tv in 1984 and it has a video of uh, it has a moment where a woman is holding a completely burnt baby and it's horrifying and the makeup effects are something else and i'm thinking this was on television the brits weren't 
fucking around like this. Then there was Ghost Watch. Like BBC was wild in in like the in the eighties and the nineties. I appreciate it a little bit. I, I there's like stark it. images of just bodies, dead bodies towards the end, and it's presented <gasps> like almost as like maggots in their mouths, like mm-hmm. just going around. I was like, whoop, okay, what? <laughs> Stop! I like, I literally had just, I was, I was getting nauseous, and again, like I couldn't tell if it was because I'm currently nauseous due to like yeah. my illness, but it certainly wasn't helping me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. Uh. But it also, like, it, it did, like, I kept thinking, oh, they are making the same fort that they do in When the Wind Blows. Because there's a moment where a family yes. takes, like, a mattress and makes basically a lean-to in their home and fort tries to fortify it. It's just, there's, this movie was a lot. Yeah. A lot. It's a lot, a lot, a lot. But, I mean, I get it when people like it, and I think it does make sense in terms of, like, Incredibly raw filmmaking from an era where, like, and playing it on TV, which is, and it's, it is wild, but, like, Tony, why do you watch this so much, buddy? Like. (laughs) (laughs) It was really good. I mean, it was really well done, but it's like, this isn't something I'm going to revisit often or maybe ever again. (laughs) Unless someone comes on with, like, a great story about how this movie fucked him up as a kid. If that happens, I will, I'll make the, uh the effort to rewatch it um have you ever heard of the day after so that aired in the united states and yeah. i i vaguely have like recollections of it but i am not sure if i ever saw it i saw it in i think i did see it it was either this or there was something else that i saw in college that was like for my documentary class that was about like that was it was aired like a oh, nuclear war had actually happened and like they didn't tell people that it hadn't happened and it like threw people off and it was in the states and I remember watching mm. that in class and being like, why do we do these things to each other? <laughs> like we are so like us as a society love fucking with each other so much that we put on a fake news broadcast that there was nuclear war and make everyone terrified. Like, like what's wrong with us <laughs> as a society? <laughs> Seriously. (laughs) Anyway. Shifting gears completely. (laughs) Let's talk about... So much. Just another stratosphere of different... Yeah. Let's talk about one Chucky, two Chucky, three Chucky, four. What'd you think of Cult of Chucky, Mary Beth, as a first time watch? So I, I really liked it. Another hilarious, like, situation of like, oh, fuck yeah, curse curse and bride and then like oh weird kind of like a stumble but not as much as seed i think i think i was really i really liked it i think putting chucky into a um psychiatric ward is incredible because there are so many moments where people are like you're not real like i'm schizophrenic and chucky's like what the fuck is wrong with you like there are some really funny moments where that's utilized really well that i very much enjoyed I don't quite understand why there are, like, I get, I get why there are so many Chuckies, but I don't get why there are so many Chuckies. And I understand that this is probably going into the show and setting up a lot for the show. But regardless of all of that, there's some good fucking kills in this. Fiona Dorif is a queen. I need more footage of Fiona Dorif and Jennifer Tilly making out in the snow, please. (laughs) I am no yes. better than a man. 
I, I do think there's some like really creative kills going on here. And I think there's some really gross things going on here talking about mental health care. Like there is a therapist in this in the movie who I love this inter- interplay with him and Chucky when he the therapist puts Nika under um, hypno- hyp- hypnosis, sexually assaults her and then Chucky knocks him out and goes, and they call me girl. They call me sick. I can yes. learn some shit from this guy. And I was like, this is incredible writing. I love Don Mancini so much. <laughs> like, I love S- Chucky having a sense of justice in this movie. Because, Ch- like, that therapist gets what's coming for him. And the person who delivers the justice says for Nika. And it's Ch- it's Chucky delivering this, saying for Nika. And it is very funny and also interesting to see Chucky having these morals like kind of shining through sometimes in a very fascinating way. Like obviously we're not supposed to be like Chucky's a good guy, but there is that kind of little bit of nuance in there that there is a sense of justice for him. And I like, I did, I did kind of like that a little bit. Yeah. It's, you know, it's weird watching this movie, having seen the first season of um, mm-hmm. the Chucky TV series, because when I saw this back in, cause this came out in 2017. So you know, mm-hmm. four years removed from when the Chucky series uh, aired, uh, first aired. And looking at it now, it definitely feels like a, a, a transition episode of, the, of a series, right? Where it's like setting up something that's going to come later. But at the time, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, okay, now there's multiple Chuckies. Let's go with it. But it definitely feels, walking back, that he is using that as like a springboard to do what he wanted to do with Chucky, the TV series, which... I mean, kudos to him. He just continues to mutate the series, but keep it grounded in what came before in such fascinating ways. Um, did you stay? I forgot to mention, did you stay for the after credits? I did. I did. I did. Because I, I was wondering. So I, I, I did, in fact, stay for that. Did they bring back excited. Kyle? Yes. From Chucky, from Child's Play 2? Yes. Was very excited, and like I knew that she come. I knew she came back in some regard, but I forgot how. And mm-hmm. is she in the show? Spoiler alert: Yes. Okay, I'm even more excited for the show now. Now that I've watched all the movies, I'm very excited. And also, people talk about like winter snowy horror. This movie does not come up nearly enough when people talk about Mm-mm. snowy horror. Like they use snow really well in the cold in they this do. movie, pretty fucking well. You know, what I was thinking watching this now, especially with, like, some of the split diopter shots and the way it was filmed, yes. I'm like, this is Brian De Palma on a budget. This is um, hearkening back to a Brian De Palma film and sort of, like, the, the psychosexual, uh, mental, you know, horror type stuff from, like, that era of cinema. Like, that is what this mm-hmm. is giving me. The very pristine, um, everything is so white in this uh so sanitized yeah so sanitized so white everything is so muted like the colors are muted but then the walls are so brightly bright white and it just i don't know it was giving me that kind of old school vibe particularly i think there's a lot of uh homages to brian de palma in this film in particular mm-hmm. i didn't think about brian de palma specifically but i definitely see that Huh. I also just love Tiffany showing up at the end and Tiffany, more Tiffany. Jennifer, I don't I can't keep track anymore when she and then she like <laughs> licks the blood off the knife and I was like just like love that Jennifer Tilly gets a paycheck for showing up in these movies for like two seconds and then disappearing. And, uh-huh. and there's one point where she comes in to tell Nika that her niece is dead and she Nika goes, 
I'm sorry. Does anyone told you you look just like Jennifer? (laughs) 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 Oh, these movies. They're great. I enjoy them. Again, incredibly consistent franchise, even with the ones that aren't as good. Still incredibly consistent and very Mm -hmm. entertaining. I'm curious. I I have to watch the show, obviously. I'm curious if they'll ever do another movie. I am too. I am too. I hope they do. But, I mean, the show is is really given everything I want, though. So... Well, we're moving on to the show, actually. We are. We're going to do two episodes a week, I think, because that way it's like we're moving through it at a quick, quicker pace, but also, you know, two episodes, it's 40 minutes each. It's an hour and a half a week commitment, so that's not the same as a movie. So, But yeah, you can join along with us uh, as we go through the series, two episodes at a time. I'm really excited because I haven't watched all of the, the show yet, so... Excited to get I've seen back up. part of the first episode of the second season. Uh, I bet you had so many questions at that point, having not seen the series too. Uh, absolutely, because <laughs> I can't. I can't imagine being dropped into the the opening of season two, which definitely absolutely is pulling. no fucking idea what the fuck was going on. But now that I've watched Cult, I'm like I get it a little bit more now. So, but I'm so. This has been an awesome watch through. Of all of these movies. I'm so glad I have finally watched all seven. They are incredible films. Have I you seen know. the remake? No, I've not. And I don't really... I know Abby Plaza's in it. She's good in it. But, yeah. Mark Hamill is the voice of Chucky. That's interesting. I mean, yeah. I just... Uh, you can't beat the, the derf. You can't beat the derf. So yeah, listeners, if you want to watch along with us and revisit the series, and let's give it some more love. Because I don't think it's been renewed for a third season yet. And it needs to be. So let's... Let's get some more eyes on it. Watch along it's with gay. us. It's gay. That it's I It's so gay. It's so gay. Dimensity was it. given it's like here, just make whatever you want. Great. As far as what for from what I know. So who are we talking with though on, on Monday, Mary Beth? On Monday, we are chatting with John Swab, the writer and director of Candyland, the film that I have been um preaching about wow jesus christ championing preaching preaching makes sense in terms of candyland (laughs) Um, it's out it is out today as of the publication of this um of this episode it is out today so watch it on digital on demand check it out and then listen to our episode on monday we're talking to him about reservoir dogs Uh, we sure are we sure stuck in the middle with you listeners you've heard from us we want to hear from you. Did you watch any of the things that we have watched this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for movies we should be talking about? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. Please don't forget to review, rate, subscribe, uh, join us on Patreon. You could be watching us do this. And also, if you're a Fresh Wound subscriber, our episode on The Orphanage just dropped earlier this week. And um, it's one of my favorite movies, so you should go listen to that. Yeah, it's a really good episode. I edited it so recently. It's really good. But thank you to Eric Power for artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And healthy. please don't do this don't be don't be me (laughs) but until next time
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>